0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, May 13th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, San Miguel County to discuss Diamond Ridge Rezone, Smart Expands West End and Down Valley Service, Watershed Coalition looks to model regional groundwater and a mountain weather forecast. Another big step in the potential Diamond Ridge housing development project is coming up next week.
1: Rezoning uh, by the can- county's land use code is a two-step process. So um, the county planning commission makes a recommendation for or against uh, a, price, a uh, an application. And then it goes to the board of county commissioners. And then they sit in a quasi-judicial role. So it's a little bit different hat than they normally wear where they're asked to decide, based on the criteria in the land use code, does this application meet and address all of those criteria?
0: That's San Miguel County Manager Mike Bordonia. Last month, the County Planning Commission made the recommendation to approve rezoning the land for community housing. Next week, it will take the step to go before the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners. The Diamond Ridge property is a 105-acre parcel of land on Last Dollar Road, sitting just behind the airport. San Miguel County and the town of Telluride are in the process of purchasing the property with the plan to build an affordable housing neighborhood. To make that neighborhood possible, the county is asking to rezone 39 of the 105 acres to the Community Housing Zone District from the current Forestry, Agriculture and Open Zone District. If the rezone goes through, developers could build up to 20 units per acre. With that said, Bordonia says the number of units will be fewer.
1: We're acquiring 105 acres, and 39 are uh, in the rezoning. If folks pay close attention, they'll notice that 30% within the zone, 30% of the area that's zoned has to be kept as open space. So now we're talking about 26 acres. So we're talking about 79 acres of open space on this parcel.
0: Since the county and town announced the possible development, it has been the source of contention in the community, with a number of residents, especially those living on Deep Creek Mesa, concerned about the impacts of a new 100-plus unit neighborhood. Bordonia acknowledges those concerns.
1: A lot of folks are wondering, well, how could the county as one of the purchasers, apply to itself. And the way that we did that was we completely separated out the board of commissioners from anything related to the uh, rezoning application process. We hired an outside attorney. So Amy Markwell, our county attorney, has not been involved and is not representing us as the applicant um, in this process. And likewise, from the time we acquired the property all the way through now, the commissioners have been kept completely out of those discussions to keep them as impartial and unbiased as possible.
0: Others say the process to purchase and rezone the property has gone too quickly and without enough community involvement. Bordonia says it's a
1: valid concern. I understand why folks who may have been used to planning processes that happened in the 90s or even early 2000s are like, but we took years to discuss these things. And, um, And why can't we take that love that time now right now we're having bidding wars for properties that come on on the market they're going for over asking prices so we know that the longer we wait the more expensive these uh lands are to purchase for housing we know that also as we have more community members moving into our community or occupying their homes more frequently that the pushback on having affordable housing near them is only going to increase.
0: He says bold action is required to address the regional housing crisis.
1: We're never going to catch up if we're just doing one or three or five units here and there. When we look at this opportunity, I'm looking at this as a five to seven years before you could have something that could be occupied. I don't know if our community's going to make it that long in some senses. And I don't mean to sound hyperbolic, but the stress for housing is one of the greatest health risks that many of our residents have. And we know that it leads to suicide and depression and alcohol and drug use. And we know that we're not going to fix it. This project is going to make, not going to fix anything by any stretch of the imagination. But if we don't do some bold things like this, we're, we're risking our our residents' well-being, as well as our community's long-term health, and that's why we're doing this.
0: The Board of County Commissioner's meeting to discuss rezoning the Diamond Ridge lot for community housing will take place on Wednesday, May 18th at 9:30 a.m. via Zoom. There will be a site walk on the property prior to the meeting. Individuals wishing to go on the site walk must meet at the county courthouse by 8:20 a.m. that morning. There will soon be late-night service for commuters between Telluride and Norwood.
2: We are expanding our services um, starting when off-season is over, May 26th. And what we're doing is we're we're adding to our Norwood route, and this will be available Monday through Friday. We'll be adding a 9.45 a.m. trip from Telluride to Norwood. And then an 11 a.m. trip back from Norwood to Telluride. That's Carrie DiStefano, smart
0: operations manager. But it's not just morning service.
2: Finally, this is um, in hopes of including restaurant workers that may want to use our service. We are including a trip that goes to Norwood back to Telluride at 11 p.m. And... um, All those new trips will include stops at Two Rivers and Lawson Hill Park and Ride. So we'll be effectively adding to our Down Valley route as well as our Lawson Hill route late as long as people don't mind walking. Lawson
0: Hill service will also expand with an early morning trip, an evening trip and three new midday trips. In addition, the Nucla-Natarita-Norwood bus will also stop in the Lawson Hill Park and Ride on its way to town to accommodate those who work in Lawson. As a result, the Nucla-Natarita bus will leave Nucla five minutes earlier than previously scheduled. The expanded smart service will begin Thursday, May 26th. As SMART expands service, it's also looking to become more inclusive for the riders on any route.
2: In the original governmental agreement between San Miguel County, the town of Mountain Village, and the town of Telluride that established SMART, one of the things we were tasked with was to do comprehensive long-term planning. And that included um, specifically uh, planning to enhance or to provide new specialized services and specialized services being paratransit, transportation to a medical appointments and senior transit.
0: With that in mind, Smart recently enlisted the help of Fair and Peers, a national transportation consulting company, to identify gaps in service, specifically when it comes
2: to senior mobility and disability service needs. They compiled some demographic uh, information and we also conducted a series of phone interviews with All Points Transit, Samuel County Social Services, Tri-County Health Network.
0: But of course,
2: talking with
0: organizations and agencies doesn't always paint a full picture. So this week, Smart held a number of community meetings in Mountain Village, Placerville, Norwood, and Natarita to hear from the public what they feel needs to be done to increase accessibility. Some gaps Smart knew about going into the meetings.
2: We run a fixed route service and um, that is not always conducive to medical appointments, especially you know when they're in Montrose, um, and and most of the, I guess, higher level medical care takes place in Montrose, Grand Junction, or Durango. So and and um, kind of also the people, the operation that that picks up a lot of that is All Points. We we knew. That there was an unserved there were we we felt that there was an unserved need, so we were trying to figure what we're trying to figure out is how we can probably it will probably be um, some support of all points transit to because we're not we're not really equipped to do that kind of transport smart isn't but um we were trying to figure out how to support existing operations um, to support them in, in their their desire to fulfill these unmet needs.
0: Interestingly, DiStefano says a major gap or challenge doesn't come from the bus service itself. The biggest thing that
2: came out of all those meetings is that it is really difficult to disseminate information to people that potentially use it, it's really starting to emerge that that's a big problem. How do we make, we have these services available, we have SMART available, all points is available for the more medical transports, but how do we let people know how to access those services?
0: SMART will continue to work on what accessibility looks like in the coming months, developing steps for how to address gaps. Summer SMART service will begin May 26th, Full schedule information is available at smarttelluride.colorado.gov. New schedules will also be posted at bus stops. Adrian Berger wants to study groundwater's impact on the San Miguel watershed.
3: Right now, we have some some good tools available from the state and the federal governments to understand uh, climate's relationship to snowpack, to precipitation. Um, into our surface water flows, but we really don't understand groundwater's role in the hydrology of our system right now.
0: Berger is the interim program coordinator for the San Miguel Watershed Coalition. This week, he presented before an intergovernmental meeting to share a proposal to get more information on that groundwater through an integrated hydrologic modeling project.
3: Understanding groundwater's role gives us just a better idea of how much water we're actually dealing with in the basin and understanding climate's role on the full hydrology of the system will allow us to make um, better plans to deal with future water scarcity and climate change.
0: With that data, Berger says they can track flows, water quality, forest treatment, and post-wildfire hazards.
3: This sort of model can be really useful for assessing where to optimize forest treatments, uh, whether that's an actual wildfire mitigation or uh, forest health treatment, to understand where the biggest risks to our infrastructure are, um, say culverts that aren't very well prepped for the amount of sediment that would come through during a post-fire runoff event. Um, or just slopes that would suffer from stability from the loss of vegetation and where we could see, say, a landslide come over the road, or what sort of soil composition or geology is going to pose the biggest impact to water quantity, which will affect the rest of the watershed downstream.
0: He adds that can be used to better assess the impacts of mine and tailing remediation.
3: What if we capped it? What if we did a vegetative cover? How are all of these things going to impact the water quality effects of that tailings pile. So I think that is all of interest to to us up here in the upper watershed.
0: Berger says it can also help with understanding construction impacts, and of course, climate change.
3: We are trying to understand how our system works right now, but understanding the system presently will allow us to create um, scenarios based on different climate change projections. So one of the goals of the project is to create a few scenarios like, um, you know, consistent like status quo, things progress as they have been right now, as far as human population growth and climate goes, uh, a very hot and dry scenario with uh, lots of development, and then maybe like a, a better looking scenario where we don't experience as much warming as we would expect to and quantify the effects of those, different proposed climate projections um, on the watershed.
0: Once the model identifies those risks, Berger says the region can go about mitigating them.
3: That would be improved infrastructure, say an engineered wetland or restored wetland that would catch sediment in an area we've identified to have high post-fire hazard from wildfire risk. Uh, well-developed beaver complex downstream of wildfire does wonders to trap sediment.
0: Berger acknowledges a model of this nature won't fix the region's issue surrounding water, but it's another tool in the toolbox.
3: With changing climate, the more tools we have in the toolbox, uh, the better, um, especially regarding our scarce water supply and diminishing snowpack. Um, Again, improving understanding of base flow and greater spatial resolutions and projecting further out into the future. Um, will allow us to improve our modeling efforts and improve the fundamental understanding of our system functions.
0: With the local governments fully briefed on the project, the next step is to go back to them individually to request funding. Berger says they are looking to get a number of state and regional grants. The Watershed Coalition is also looking for the towns of Telluride and Mountain Village and San Miguel County to contribute $10,000 each. It's time to say good riddance to the television that doesn't work, the computer you no longer use, the fax machine that honestly belongs in a museum. It's time for EcoAction Partners' Spring Electronics Recycling event. Recyclable items include everything from cell phones, wires, batteries, TVs, projectors, printers, and copy machines, and microwaves. The Spring Electronics Waste Recycling event will take place on Friday, May 20th and 21st in Telluride at the Carhenge parking lot from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., in Mountain Village at the Gondola Parking Garage Bridge on May 20th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and in Norwood on May 21st at the San Miguel County Fairgrounds from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Pinion Park neighborhood is moving along. The housing project is a collaboration between the town of Norwood, San Miguel County, and the Telluride Foundation. It will build 24 deed-restricted single-family homes for the local workforce. The goal of the project is to house the workforce already living in the community. But who are challenged when it comes to purchasing a home the homes will be connected to norwood water and sewer they will also have fiber internet connections and be energy efficient all electric home buyers will also have the option to wire their roofs for solar or add conduits for electric vehicle charging the telluride foundation plans for the homes to be completed this summer with move-in in the fall There will be a Home Buyer Progress update on Tuesday, May 24th at 6 p.m. via Zoom for interested homebuyers. Each summer, homes and buildings in Telluride and Mountain Village transform into museums and galleries with the annual Art and Architecture Festival. This year, artists will have the opportunity to share their work at venues including the Home Tour, Elks Park and the Transfer Warehouse. Telluride Arts, which hosts art and architecture, is looking for artists to share their work. During the home tour, the Arts District says anyone from culinary artists to beverage professionals, musicians and actors to fine artists can show their talents to guests. At Elks Park, artists have the opportunity to engage with the public with art installations in the community space. The Telluride Transfer Warehouse offers makers to, quote, play with the breeze or reflect the textures of the stone walls. The 2022 Art and Architecture Festival will take place July 11th to 17th. Applications to participate as an artist are now open and run through May 31st. Applications are available at tellurideartandarchitecture.com. The dust is starting to settle from the legislative session that ended late Wednesday night. As KOTO Scott Franz reports, lawmakers are trying to advance different narratives about it ahead of the November election.
4: Democrats are saying the last four months at the Capitol were their most productive in years. Speaker Alec Garnett says Coloradans will quickly feel the impact of lawmakers voting to pay for free preschool and canceling a gas fee this summer. Families across the state are gonna be saving hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And that is something that we said we were gonna do and that we delivered on. Republicans see things differently. Senate Minority Leader Chris Holbert is blasting Democrats for killing dozens of their bills, including one to cut income taxes. He also says the legislature did not do enough to address rising housing costs. Lawmakers debated more than 600 measures this year. Governor Jared Polis will spend the next few weeks deciding which ones to sign. I'm Scott Franz.
0: Bark beetles are common across the western U.S. They're tiny insects that burrow into the bark of pine trees to lay their eggs, often killing the tree in the process. They can also spread across huge areas of woodland. One way to mitigate beetle outbreaks is through prescribed burns. But as KSJD's Lucas Brady Woods reports, the drought conditions fueling their spread aren't so easy to address.
5: On a mild spring day in southwest Colorado, Steve Underwood and his crew are tending to burning piles of pinyon pine.
4: The green needles are burning,
5: but the interior heavy stuff is not burning as well. There's a real art to this, to be able to burn it and not have it creep around. Underwood is a forestry and fire management expert. One thing he specializes in is prescribed burns like this one near the San Juan National Forest. These are all pinyons that have been infested with uh ips beetles. So we cut these down last winter, um, and we've piled them, and now we're going to burn the piles so that we can get rid of the ips
1: population on this parcel.
5: The ips beetle, or more specifically the pinion ips beetle, is an insect that colonizes pinion pines. Even though the bugs are tiny, only about an eighth of an inch long, they can still kill trees. The burrows they carve in a tree's bark can eventually cut off its flow of nutrients. And according to Underwood, ips beetle outbreaks are happening in parts of the region they haven't reached before. Climate change is providing more habitat for the ips beetles. And so they're moving north, they're killing trees. And Underwood's not the only person noticing the drought-induced beetle outbreaks.
6: They are taken away at our forest now that we're um, kind of in this continual drought state.
5: That's Amy Lochner. She's an entomologist with the US Forest Service who specializes in bark beetles like the Ips. She also says that despite the Ips beetles potentially damaging impact on trees, it's nothing new to the region.
6: It's native, so has been here way longer than any of us have, and it's evolved with the pinion trees.
5: For example, pinions have developed a defense mechanism against the Ips, the resin they produce underneath their bark. When beetles attack a tree.
6: The tree actually, releases that resin and it kind of acts like a water hose and it pushes those beetles out.
5: But the trees need access to enough water to create that resin. So if conditions are too dry, they aren't able to defend themselves. And during widespread drought, when large numbers of trees don't have enough water, beetles spread more easily from tree to tree.
6: The beetles basically just walk right in and then um, they talk to each other with pheromones and that basically says, parties here, come on in. So those attract more beetles.
5: Outbreaks fueled by drought are not unique to ips beetles, though. Drought is one contributing factor in the spread of other bark beetles, like the spruce beetle. The spruce beetle is responsible for killing large areas of spruce forest in the Rocky Mountains. According to Lochner, the spruce beetle has spread so widely that it's running out of trees to colonize. But the spread of pinion ips isn't to that point yet. And Lochner says there are ways to help mitigate beetle outbreaks, even on the level of individual properties. Miranda Yates is one southwest Colorado landowner who's taking action. That prescribed burn Steve Underwood was working on earlier, that's her land. Saving the trees that you can, tree health, fire mitigation, things like that. For me, they're the most important thing about being a land steward. Yates started working on conservation and forest rehabilitation on the land as soon as she bought it. But keeping a landscape healthy takes more than just one prescribed burn. It's a long-term, ongoing process. In my mind, it's like, I'm looking at 10 to 15 years. So these are definitely like long-term goals. And then the beetles were a really important one to start with because they can be so devastating. And at the end of the day, Amy Lochner says pinion ips aren't going anywhere. And that's a good thing. When populations are at a healthy level, they serve an important role in the ecosystem.
6: They act as uh, kind of our natural recyclers. Again, in endemic state, they're just attacking, you know, the the weak trees, the old, the dying trees. So they do a really good job of kind of thinning our forests.
5: But for that to happen, drought conditions will need to subside in the region, ideally through better winter snowpack and summer monsoon rains. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Cortez, Colorado.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Saturday should be sunny during the day and mostly clear at night with a high near 70 degrees and a low around 40. Sunday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high around 70 degrees. Sunday night should be partly cloudy with a low in the mid-40s. This has been the news for Friday, May 13th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Attention all regional teens ages 14 and up. Are you looking for a summer job? Do you need some extra spending money? We all know you make this town run during the summer season, so don't miss the opportunity to find great work experience. True North's Teen Summer Jobs Fair has just published this year's 2022 job openings on the website. Visit truenorthyouthprogram.org to see the incredible opportunities offered to our region's teens. That's truenorthyouthprogram.org. You can also find the link on True North's social media pages. Thank you to all the businesses who registered and are offering employment, and thank you to Alpine Bank for sponsoring the 2022 Summer Jobs Fair. Contact 970-708-1986 with questions. Happy summer!
2: Hola, soy Lulupo Mayali. Una de nosotros en la Marcha de Mujeres mañana, sábado 14 de mayo, a las 10 a.m. en Elks Park, si estás interesada o interesado en apoyar a las mujeres. Esta marcha está dirigida por el Club Democráticas de América, parte del Telluride High School, y cuenta con el apoyo del Caucus de Mujeres Progresistas. Esperamos que pueda unir, unirnos a nosotros en nuestro viaje hacia la igualdad. Traiga amigos, familiares y carteles. Esta marcha será pacífica y queremos recordarles a todos que se trate con respeto y amabilidad. Gracias y esperamos verte mañana a las 10 a.m. en Park. Gracias.